The first lesson comes from the seventh chapter of Daniel, beginning at the eleventh verse. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the son of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked at its wings, were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of the man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold another like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful, and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped what was left with its feet." It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened." I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. choir as we hear that ringing in our ear to give praise to the Lord. We come now to do that through encountering his word.
And sometimes we avoid certain books of the Bible like Daniel or Revelation because they, they sound confusing. And that's even true in our uh, three-year lectionary. We often miss what God is saying to us through the book of Daniel. So as we walk through these weeks through this book, that sometimes maybe it's because as you heard about the four beasts in the reading this morning, it it feels more like uh, uh, J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them than a word for your daily life, right? And yet, God has got a word for us right here in this text, As one scholar put it, the key to uncovering its true meaning of all of this is first to to study, study the text, and then study the context, the world that they're in, and then finally go to the new text that we call the New Testament to find out just what God is saying to us. And we'll do that today. As we seek to, as we have been, to answer the question throughout these many weeks, how can I live out my faith in a secular world? Is the faith that I have uh, strong enough to withstand or overcome the onslaught of all the messages and all the voices and the world around us? And... The remembrance that we have today is this. That the faith that you have, it's not about how strong it is. It's about how good the gift of faith that God has given us. It's His gift to you and to me. And that faith, that gift from God, will withstand. For How can the word like this one in Daniel 7 make a difference or stories like we heard in the first six six chapters of Daniel and his friends and the lion's den and the fiery furnace? How do they make a difference in our, our daily life? Well, they make a difference when we begin to remember that this word of God that brought humanity, brought the world into existence by his word that same word also came and dwelt among us, became flesh, walking among us. And this Jesus would die and rise again. This word, this Jesus, this way of remembering that this is the way of Jesus and he keeps his promises. This is not to say that it will be easy. If you keep reading in chapter 7, and I hope you will this week in your devotional life, you'll quickly get to the very next word in this chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 15, where you find out that Daniel didn't much like the vision he'd received. He would discover that it was going to be a much longer exile than he first imagined. And it was going to get harder before it got easier. Now we get a tiny small glimpse of that when we're doing yard work or cleaning out our garage or cleaning our room and it gets worse before it gets better, right? Well, this is a much more important, much grander scale. Daniel is anxious. 
he realizes that this word of the Lord, which is a word of hope and truth, and he can't see what we see on this side of the coming of Jesus, that this word will be fulfilled in such powerful and wonderful ways. For in chapter 7, Daniel gets this vision to him. He himself, for God's people, all of the previous visions you might remember as we walked through them, were to a king, and his job was to interpret him. This vision is to Daniel and to God's people. And he's trying to comprehend it and receive it. You ever watch a movie or read a book uh, when you get the get to the second half of the reading or the story, and it reveals the meaning of everything else you just read or watched. And it gives a whole new understanding of that which is about to come. Well, welcome to Daniel chapter 7. That's what's going on here. Daniel chapter 7 helps us look back on the previous six chapters and understand what God is doing and helps us look ahead to the prophecy that is to come and helps us understand that God will be faithful. In the first six chapters, as we've heard them read here and wrestled with them and encountered them, we've found these narratives, these testimonies of God's faithfulness. And then with along the way, as we saw in chapter 5 in particular, and in chapter 2, some apocalyptic images But now in the next six chapters, starting with this one in chapter 7 through 12, we'll have apocalyptic writings take the first chair. But that'll still be in the context of real history at a real time and place. And if you noticed in verse 1, it was in the first year of Belshazzar. Remember Belshazzar from chapter 5? He was the worst among the kings in Babylon in the captivity. The worst of the worst. And so when does God bring this vision to Daniel? He brings it at one of the worst times. He brings this word of his kingdom coming, of his hope being revealed. In one of the first worst moments in their exile. And we get this image in verses 1 and 2. Let's go to it now of the four winds, which is like a compass mark on a map, north, south, east, west. Pointing that God's movement will first bring about chaos as it stirs the seas. And that there'll be, indeed, as you read in verses 4 to 8, four beasts, one like a lion, one like a bear, another like a leopard, and one so terrifying that he couldn't even compare it to something people would know. It was dreadful with iron teeth, with eyes like a man, and it even spoke. These four dreadful beasts being introduced to Daniel. Recollect, if you keep reading, you'll understand in the rest of the chapter what happened in chapter 2, of the prediction of the kingdoms that will come. According to one scholar, Towner, the beasts of the annual allegory that we read here come from the myths of the Near East, but they've been stripped away of their mythological images to become an arbitrary symbol now for the succession of these historic kingdoms. Some that have come already, like Nebuchadnezzar, and some that will come in the future, like Greece, and Alexander the Great, and later Rome. And these beasts, make no mistake, these 
historic kingdoms, many of which are ferocious and harsh and difficult for God's people and will continue to be so. But then we get this word of hope. We get this word of hope in verses 9 and 10 that God is on the throne, that Yahweh is present, called the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days is present, and He is on His throne, and He will bring judgment. He will bring God's justice. He will bring God's promise. Let me translate verse 11 uh, simply into common language as I think about its fullness and all that it means. We'll call this a loose translation. God's got this. God's got this. This that gives Daniel, even himself, anxiety. God has got this. He is on His throne. The Ancient of Days is there. Those ferocious beasts, all four of them, their authority, their dominion will come to an end, but not God's. And you might be facing right now in your own life some sort of ferocious beast yourself. Just as real as it was for Daniel in a real time and place, like here in Babylon, your ferocious beasts are real as well. And the heartache and the difficulty that you might be walking through or that you see happening in the world around us might at times, as it does for me, feel overwhelming. But we're reminded here in this chapter, chapter 7, to understand what God has done in these days of exile and what God will do in the future that the ancient of days, Yahweh, is on His throne. And we can anchor our lives with that promise. Whatever real or ferocious thing you're facing, it will not be the final word, God's word is and does that. So we can anchor our lives on that which, as we talked about in chapter 5, that which will last. We can spend our time in our daily work with an eternal sense of God's mindfulness. That what we're doing isn't just for right now, but for God's eternal purposes. So that when we encounter people, whether it's in our home or in our daily work or in our lives or even those folks that call us on the phone and you ask them to take them off your, uh, their list, right? These are people created in the image of God for whom we encounter and we have the opportunity in every encounter to share that the Ancient of Days is on His throne. God has got this. And Daniel depicts this in such a powerful way because God gives him such a powerful vision with a messianic word of hope. Now we get to verses 13 and 14. And in this word of hope, we see once again, with the advantage of history on our side now, having known the one 
who dwelt and walked among us, that this word would be fulfilled. You see, it was common in the Babylonian culture to have uh, vice regents or viceroys or councils of gods, but it would be a hierarchy. But what we get introduced to is a council of God from Yahweh that's different than the world around them. As one scholar points out, Daniel's vision depicts a second power in heaven. This vice regent is given everlasting dominion and power like the ancient of days. Riding on the cloud. An image that we see in the, New, in the Old Testament frequently is an image for the divine, for who God is. So this second power equal to the first, he calls in verses 13 to 14, the Son of Man. We are introduced to one like a man who is God. We begin to get introduced to this messianic promise of the second member of the Trinity right here in Daniel chapter 7. And this is... No surprise, for Jesus will use this title, Son of Man, as his most favorite for himself. Over 70 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Over 70 times in the Gospels. For example, listen to Jesus respond to the high priest in Mark chapter 14 when he says this uh, to the question, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Sound familiar? Jesus, his word, fulfills this promise. What we have here and what we've seen in the narratives are shaped by this future from Jesus himself. What we'll hear in chapters 8 and through 12 will be shaped by this reality. What you'll experience in your daily life in the real world that you live in is that these ferocious beasts, the kingdoms that seem to have power in the world, they will not endure. So how can we have faith in this secular world? It's because the faith that God has given His children, the children of God, is based on His Word, and that Word is faithful. And so we have hope and not fear. Hope, yes, even in the midst of heartache, but hope will give us purpose so that it's not just about living the nine to five and then repeat and, uh, and start over the next day. In His Word, when we encounter His Word, and I pray you're finding ways in your private time, in your time with your family, in your time with other Christians, spending time this week in His Word together. That's by God's design. And we'll talk more about that in that sermon series I mentioned that will start in October. But this is God's design for us. So that we're prepared for the people we encounter. Yes, in the mission that we share together as God's people, but also whoever God has in store for you. It matters. As one member of our congregation it reminded him about this kind of mission, that it's not that we have to, we get to. I have the image of, of a parent 
teaching their child to uh, learn how to fix the car or do a project in the backyard. Believe me, it would be easier if the parent did it by themselves, right? That child isn't uh, just being a blessing. They're being blessed and being part of the mission of that family. I, I saw a documentary about those who lived yet still on the land uh, up in the far corners of the Alaskan wilderness. And uh, their children, would they were trapping to make their means and would set out traps near their cabin and were so proud that they could participate in providing for their family only as adults to find out that every morning, every night their parents would put an animal in their trap so they'd think in the morning they got to be a part of it, right? God invites us. He coaches and leads us by His Holy Spirit. We get to be a part of His kingdom purposes. And it's for our good and for the good of our neighbor and for His glory we get to participate we get to order our life by this hope because who's on the throne the ancient of days are we consumed by the four fantastic beasts who will only last so long or will we be anchored by the eternal work of the ancient of days who's on his throne This throne scene, this vision that we get in Daniel 7 begins with a statue that Nebuchadnezzar had and now continues, as Andrew Hillerite, with his sovereign promise to be fulfilled by his word. Are we ordering our lives by those beasts or by the ancient of days? Does this order how you do your daily work? your parenting, your calendar, your pocketbook, your politics, your retirement, and the list goes on, etc., and etc., and everything else. And don't wait until you have everything in order and everything right to be a participant. He's already on His throne. Don't follow the ways of this world. Instead, follow a Jesus-shaped path under His Word with each other. For the sake of the people we encounter to glorify, we get to be a part of this mission. Yes, it might involve suffering, but we know we'll overcome because he's on his throne. This last, last weekend, our youth were uh, considering the light that still shines in the darkness from God's word. Let's remember that promise for all of us today. This word of God reminds us His light shines in the darkness. And whatever beast might seem to have dominion yet in this world, it will last only so long. The Son of Man, His power and dominion, Jesus the Christ, that is what will last forever. Let us order our lives on that. For His light shines in the darkness and it cannot, nor will not, nor ever overcome it. Amen.